Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Spirit of Prophecy podcast. Appreciate you joining me again. This is day three discussing the Olivet Discourse. And I really hope today will be the day that will just make it all clear and you will get this passage, you will understand it, and you will see the consistency and how I'm interpreting it. So uh, if you have not watched the previous two episodes, you're going to be completely lost. You really need to go back and watch those two. On the first one, we talked about what has been fulfilled. Second one, we talked about what has yet to be fulfilled. It is my position that the prophecy of the Olivet Discourse was a prophecy directed at that generation in Jesus's day. And it was one that had a potential good outcome or a potential negative outcome, depending on what they do. And somehow, one of the reasons we're so messed up when it comes to all things prophecy is people create these rules for Bible interpretation that just don't make sense. And, you know, understand that God's word is God's word, and we can make rules all we want. It doesn't necessarily uh, mean that God goes along with them. But many people, when they hear the word prophesy, they picture some dude out there thinking, you know, I predict in the next Cubs game, it's going to go, you know, they're going to win seven to three. And we, they gave all these specifics and, you know, this pitcher is going to strike out this batter. And then it just shows, wow, that person can see the future. Wow. That's really cool. Isn't that amazing? And many people think that's what prophecy is. Somebody just looking into the future and showing what is going to come to pass to show how great their knowledge is. Now, without a doubt, God can see the future. God can declare the end from the beginning. I get that. But understand, prophecy is not just God telling us what's going to happen. It's preaching. It's a call to repentance. It's a it's a call to get people to stop doing something sometimes or to start doing something at other times. That is always a part of prophecy. And if you go back and you watch my very unpopular podcast on the purpose of prophecy, even though it's probably the most important one, you know, you, you would understand if you go back and watch it, you would understand that the whole point of prophecy is not just so we can figure out what's coming next so we can show people how smart we are. No, it's so we can figure out what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to figure out God's will for our life, what he doesn't want us to do, what he does want us to do, and then we can do those things. And in most prophecies, what what we're seeing are calls to repentance. You could say many prophecies are kind of like warnings, just like you as a parent. If you as let's say you as a parent you and your wife are going to go out on a date and you get a babysitter for your children and you you tell your children, if you don't behave while we're gone, if we get a bad report from your baby sister, I see miserable children. I see children who aren't going to have any joy and any happiness. I see tears being shed. I see punishment coming. I see spankings coming. I see being grounded coming. And you prophesy all these terrible things that are going to come if they... Do not listen to the babysitter. But if you all will obey, I see good things. I see candy in the future. I see a present. I see a $5 bill. I don't know, whatever it is, you're you're, you're going to tell them about these good things to motivate them to 
make better choices and do the right thing. And then it's all going to come down <clears throat> to the report that you get from the babysitter. And as parents, you've probably been there before, where typically if your kids were good and then you go to the babysitter, how are the kids? Typically, the kids are standing right there looking at you, looking at the babysitter, knowing, hey, this is going to be good because we were good. She's going to give her a good report and I'm going to get a reward. Typically, if the kids are bad, they're usually hiding somewhere. When they hear the babysitter, you ask the babysitter, how were the kids? They do. They get scared. They go into hiding because they know, uh-oh, I'm going to face the wrath of dad because I was bad. And so basically what you told them before you left, it was, it was kind of a prophecy to get them to obey. And we see two potential outcomes. That is a lot of Bible prophecy. There was a ton of prophecy, a ton directed at Israel. And there in those prophecies are all kinds of negative things. Promise if they don't do right. But there's also many good and wonderful things, especially in the Messianic prophecies that will come if they will be prepared, if they will be ready, if they will follow the instructions God gave them, if they will accept the Messiah, if they will allow the Messiah to do the work that he has been anointed to do in their lives, then all these good, wonderful things are going to happen. But understand, when God sent the Messiah, Jesus Christ, you know what? He didn't have anything good to report on when he went back to the Father. And so understand, when he went back to the Father and he got that report, it wasn't good for Israel. And they, so guess what? They didn't get the good things that were prophesied. They got the bad things that were prophesied. And they received the bad things in 70 AD. And they were destroyed as a nation. Their temple was destroyed, just like was promised. But for some reason, when people look at prophecies, they do. They they think this this part here is just predicting what's going to happen, and we've got to show how that happened. No, this was dependent on them obeying. So, for children who father prophesied all these wonderful things of candy and five dollar bills and hugs and all that, if they are good, that's what he prophesied. If they were bad, they shouldn't be looking for those things. They shouldn't be looking for the $5 bills and the candy. No, they should be looking for judgment. And somehow, people, they have just decided that prophecy is just predicting the future. They ignore all the ones about judgment for Israel. They focus only on the good one, on the good prophecies. And they end up missing the point on so much stuff. It's absolutely ridiculous and it's uh, pretty nauseating <clears throat> to listen to it. Nobody ever says, hey, what did Israel actually do? And so this is how it is with the Olivet Discourse. And when we look at the Olivet Discourse, we're not going to read through all of this again. But without a doubt, after we see Jesus Christ sending his angels with the great sound of a trumpet, all these wonderful things, after we see the glorious, the passages about the glorious appearing, after that, he gives the lesson of the fig tree, showing how, hey, this is how you can know when it's getting close. You're not going to know the day or the hour, but you're going to know when it is close. He even told them it's going to come in this generation. All these things are going to come on this generation, but here's the part we ignore, the call to watch. But uh, Mark 13, 32, 
But of that day and hour, knoweth no man, no, not the angels star in heaven, neither the sun, but my father. Take ye heed. Watch and pray. For ye know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even or at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. Now let me ask you, how did he find Israel at his coming? Not only were you, you could say they were sleeping, but he said in the... um. In Matthew, he talked about, in Matthew 24, 49, um, or 48 says, but if that evil servant, but, but, okay, we got to notice that, but, and if, 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 buts and ifs are often in Bible prophecies, that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming and shall begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunken. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him and in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That sounds completely opposite of what we see earlier in the chapter where he's gathering together his elect from the four winds. What's he doing here? He is showing two potential outcomes. And Israel got the negative outcome. And they got it in that generation. So the preterists are wrong when they try to show the good outcome in the first century. No, there was no Christ coming in power and glory and gathering his elect. None of that happened during that time. Israel was not ready. They were not acceptable. These people that were clinging to the things of the law and the old covenant and literally, literally hiding in the temple, many of them, they were not acceptable. They were called in Hebrews to follow Christ without the camp, bearing his reproach, and they didn't do it. And Jesus came, and he destroyed the things of the old covenant, of the, of the temple. Jerusalem was destroyed. Obviously, he did it at the hand of Titus uh, during that time, not Jesus himself. But, um, but you know, it was done through him, just like God punished Israel through Nebuchadnezzar earlier in their history. So, um, you say, well, so are you saying then that none of these good things in Matthew 24 are yet to come? No, I believe we can make application because just like, and, and I'll, I'll try to remember to leave a link to the sermon I preached. I think it's called the day of visitation, um, in the description on here in that sermon, I talk about exactly what, if we go to the prophecies about the triumphal entry, we can see exactly what Jesus was looking for at his coming, at the day of visitation. He did not find any of those things. He did not find a people of faith. He did not find a people of faith from all nations like he wanted. He did not find a people that were purified because the things of the law, they weren't able to purify in an acceptable way. He, didn't, he couldn't find a people that were ready for him to receive him. He, he was rejected by them when he came. And so understand that under the new and better covenant, now we now understand what he was looking for then, and we understand that he will find those things at his second coming because there will be a purified people, not because we've been purified through the things of the law, but by the blood of Christ. He, you know, what, he's going to come back to a people all over the world who are looking for him, who have put their faith and trust in him rather than in the things of the law. 
So it, it, there will be a different outcome, not because we're so much better than the Jews, but because of the fact that what Jesus Christ did was better, because he is better than the things of the law. He's a better sacrifice, a better high priest. And so understand that, um, you know, I, I do believe we can make application from Matthew 24 about things in the future, but we cannot ignore the interpretation. And it is ridiculous to take every detail of everything we see in Matthew 24 and to put it in, in the future. That is ridiculous. The temple has already been destroyed, delivering up to the synagogues and all that kind of thing. That was something they all went through in that time. Now, we, we will probably face similar things, but they don't have to be exactly the same. We don't have to flee to Judea during that time. We don't need to look for the abomination of desolation. That already happened. Could be something similar. Again, if you can find it in Revelation, I think where we see the beast, uh, you know, setting his, you know, having an image that people are called to worship and take a mark. I think there's the similarities right there. I don't believe that is the abomination of desolation, but I believe it is. It's a similar pattern. It's a similar thing because there is going to be a fulfillment, but I believe our specifics are in Revelation, not in Matthew 24. Matthew 24 is uh, for first century about Jerusalem, not about global events. So I just want to show you uh, some other prophecies to just show you too that this is how prophecy has always worked, but people ignore that. Now, in yesterday's program, I referenced Jonah. Okay, I'm not going to read through all that, but I do want to just point out a couple specifics. But remember in Jonah, in chapter 3, it, Jonah was very clear when he said, Yea, 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them, even the least of them. So what did they believe? They believed that God was going to destroy Nineveh in 40 days. That's the prophecy. So that means Nineveh has to be destroyed in 40 days. No, you don't understand prophecy. Prophecy is not just predicting the future. Prophecy is preaching. It's warning people. It's calling them to repentance. It's and so if I tell my children, hey, when I if I if if I'm if I'm gonna leave on a trip and I say, when I get home, I see rotten kids getting whooped, grounded, losing all their privileges, tell them all these horrible things. Obviously, it's implied in there that that's if they are bad, okay? But if they are good, it will be something completely different. And here's the thing, too. Sometimes it's okay. We are allowed to be merciful. We are allowed, God is allowed to be merciful. And God did that. And notice what it says. I, I love this passage. It says, so the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them, even to the least of them. For the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, laid his robe from him, covered him with sackcloth and satin ashes, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the kings and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Um, let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell? If God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger, that we perish not. And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil 
that he said he would do unto them, and he did it not. They affected that prophecy. Right? They, they repented. And when they repented, God repented. And God did not bring destruction on them in that day. But it was prophesied that Nineveh was going to be destroyed. It was prophesied it was going to be in 40 days. But understand, the prophecy of Nineveh's destruction did come to pass. But not until over 120 years later. Jonah was written about 767 B.C. when the Assyrians were the world empire. But they repented. And so over 120 years later, when there's no one left from that generation around 640 B.C. in Nahum's day, we see destruction being pronounced again. And you know what? It did come. Nineveh did end up getting destroyed, but not in that day. You know why? Because we can affect prophecy. How do we affect prophecy? If we respond to the message, if we repent, if we get things right. There are many examples of that in the Bible. We see in Genesis chapter 6, it says, And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always try with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. What's God saying there? He's like, I'm not always going to put up with this kind of stuff. You know what? 120 years, and I'm going to destroy them. That's what he said. That was the prophecy. It says in verse 6, And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man, whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But, we see a but again. Many prophecies have buts and ifs in them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. There was somebody that wasn't like the rest of the world. And so God decided to save mankind through Noah. Because Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So you know what? Mankind didn't completely get destroyed after 120 years. You know why? Because God was merciful. God can do that kind of thing. Noah affected God's prophecy. We see, we're not going to take time to read it. Uh, in 2 Kings chapter 22, after they read the book of the law, Josiah, he rents his clothes and he realizes we are in trouble. He understood that destruction was about to come on him in his day. And he figured that out. But you know what? God ended up speaking through a prophetess uh, and uh, hold of the prophetess. And she showed him that uh, those things, because of what he had done, because he had repented, because he had humbled himself, she said, she said, because thine heart was tender and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord, when thou heardest what I spake against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse and hast rent thy clothes and wept before me. I also have heard thee saith the Lord, behold, therefore, I will gather thee unto thy fathers and thou shalt be gathered into thy grave in peace and thine eyes shall not see all the evil which I will bring upon this place. And they brought the king word again. So that judgment ended up getting delayed because of Josiah, just like what we see in um, with Nineveh. It got delayed. Sometimes man affects prophecy and how things work and how they play out. Uh, in Matthew chapter, and here's some real proof of that. In Matthew chapter 11, this is so important that people get a hold of this and understand. What's going on here? But let's look at what it says in Matthew 
chapter 11. We'll start reading in verse 13. It says, For all the prophets and law prophesied until John. And if ye will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. But whereunto shall I liken this generation? It is like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, We have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. We have mourned unto you, and ye have not lamented. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He hath a devil. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of her children. And interestingly enough, right after that, then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Chorazin, woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it should be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And then he goes on and he says the same thing to Capernaum. What's going on? Is, you know, the disciples, they're wondering about these good promises that were coming for them, that were associated with the prophet Elijah. And Jesus said that this is it. If ye will receive it, if ye will. There's that if in there again. There are ifs and there are buts in many prophecies. Not all. Some prophecies are spoken of in the past tense as if it's already happened because nothing's changing it. There are some prophecies like Daniel chapter 9 where it says 70 weeks are determined. Daniel prayed that God wouldn't let those things come, that he would spare them that judgment, but the angel said, no, this is determined. That Some prophecies are like that, but many prophecies have buts and ifs in them, and it, and it but everybody is reading prophecy the same way, like it's some fortune teller predicting the future just to show that they can see the future. No, prophecy is not just meant to show that God knows the future. We get that. It's to get, it's to call people to repentance. It's to call people away from certain sins and towards righteousness. That's what prophecies are. And when we do prophecies like that, we've got to look and ask yourself, what did the people do? As a, uh, you know, as a, when I was a youth director and a school teacher, I would often prophesy to the kids, you could say. When kids would get lazy in their schoolwork, I would often give, I would often give them these prophecies, if you want to call them that. Or I was like, listen, if you don't, if you don't study, if you don't do the work, you're gonna end up, you're gonna grow up, you're gonna be dumb, you're not gonna be able to get a good job, you're gonna be broke, you're gonna go on welfare, you're gonna be miserable, you're gonna turn to drugs, alcohol. I would just like tell them all these things, just kind of scaring them a little bit. You know, and the and the reality is that if you do, if you just reject education, you know, you're gonna have a bad future. You know, though uh, often to teenagers, I would tell them in preaching, like, hey. It's important that you keep yourself pure. You shouldn't go sleeping around. You shouldn't go fornicating. If you do that kind of thing, you know what? You're going to have you know, teenage pregnancies. You're going to have end up having multiple fathers. Guys, you're going to end up paying child support to a woman that's not your wife. It's going to ruin you financially. It's going to ruin potential relationships. It's, I, I would tell them all these horrible things. That's prophesying. You could say, it wasn't me standing up there saying, this individual on this date, you're going to commit fornication, which is going to result in divorce later at this point in your life. And you're going to pay this much money in child support. And it's like, ooh, look at that guy. He's a fortune teller. But no, that's not what we do. We preach the scriptures and, and there's wisdom that we can learn from there. And yes, if you do, if you live a life of adultery and fornication, it is easy to predict pain and heartache. I can't tell you the, the exact specifics on all that. 
but I can definitely give you some general ideas. And that's kind of what we see a lot with prophecy in the scriptures. And so just like I would tell teenagers too, hey, if you'll do right, if you'll trust the Lord, if you'll remain pure until you're married, if you'll wait for the right person, then you know what? You can't you can't have a happy marriage. You can have uh you can live a life with one wife. You'll never have to pay child support and alimony and all that kind of stuff. And you know, you can promise them all these good things, but it's if you do the right thing. That's what the purpose of prophecy is. It's it's preaching. It's trying to get people doing the right. When when Jesus is preaching to Israel, he's trying to get them ready. They needed to accept Jesus as the Messiah. They needed to believe on him even after his death, burial, and resurrection. The apostles are preaching to Israel, trying to get them to repent of killing Jesus and trying to get them to trust in him. But they wouldn't do it. So guess what? Matthew 24, in that generation, the negative side was fulfilled. Not the positive side, the negative side. Everyone ignores that part. There is a, there is a negative result to those who, who smite the fellow servants and who are not ready and who are uh, evil servants. And so we have so many of these prophecies. We see prophecies we see in Matthew 17, 10, and his disciples asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elias must first come? And Jesus answered and said to them, Elias truly shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elias has come already, and they knew him not. Hey, guys, I know what the scribes are saying. What they're saying is technically correct, but understand, we affect prophecy. What we do affects things. And just like before, he said, if ye will receive it, he's saying, let's look and see what happened. Elias has come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed, meaning they killed him. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of him. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them, of John the Baptist. So uh, they're not going to get the good part. They didn't receive him. And everyone ignores that. Prophecy is not just predicting the future. It's predicting futures, potential futures. Here's one future if you do right. Here's another one if you do wrong. Nobody ever wants to take the time to go, let's go see what they did. That's why there are so many prophecies in Zechariah where we can go and we can read the Gospels and we can see fulfillment of specific parts of those prophecies, but not everything. You know why? Because when Jesus comes at his triumphal entry, Israel wasn't ready. They hadn't been obedient to him. So there's a bunch of other things in those passages that didn't happen. Why not? Everybody, well, it's it's still to come in the future. Uh, Are you sure? These prophecies... You know, they were said, all these things will come to pass if ye will diligently follow these things. I didn't quote that exactly right, but that's in there. In Zechariah, they didn't obey. They didn't follow these things. So we should be looking for the negative outcome. The child who was bad for his babysitter, when the babysitter reports the bad behavior, they shouldn't be expecting the good things. They shouldn't be expecting the candy and the $5 bills. They should be expecting wrath and judgment. Israel was promised many wonderful things if they received the Messiah. If they would be ready for the Messiah, they rejected him. They were not ready. So you know what they should expect? The negative. And here's the thing. They got it. They got the negative. But yet your Zionist Christians today, they still want to act like, nope, 
God's God's going to give him the good. No, he's not. He's going to give him what he said he would. You know, and we're basing what he's going to give him off what they did because those requirements are there in the scriptures. So, um, an, uh, another example we see in Luke 1.15, talking about John the Baptist, says, For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of, the, many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now that was John's job. And John did what he was supposed to do, but the people did not. And in Malachi 4, 5, says, Behold, I will send unto you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So notice right there, says this is what he's going to do, lest, meaning if he doesn't, if this doesn't happen, then I'm going to smite the earth with a curse. What was that? Well, I think, you, I think it's probably safe to say that 70 AD was a curse on Jerusalem, and that was God's judgment on them. Why did they do that? Because they did not turn to Christ. They did not listen to John the Baptist. They killed John the Baptist. Why can't we, why can't we do that? Everybody wants to read that in Malachi, like, nope, this is coming for Israel. This is going to happen. No, that came for Israel, and they rejected him. They killed John the Baptist. They killed Jesus, and guess what? Jesus came and smote them with a curse. End of story. So I, I, I just, I don't understand why people ignore all that stuff. And it is, it's because we've just got it in our head. Prophecy is simply that, a, just a predicting of the future. We don't see it as preaching. We don't see it as preaching. And even today, preachers, they often get up in the pulpit and they prophesy in the sense that they will take the word of God and they will tell people, hey, if you will follow these things, if you will obey the commandments of God, if you will love the Lord, you know, these great things will come in your life. God will bless you in your life. If you'll stay faithful, you know, God will bless you. You'll be glad that you obeyed him. But we often off preach or prophesy doom and gloom. If you reject the word of God, if you disobey him, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. What are we doing? We're prophesying. Judgment, and we do, we often speak in very general ways because we can't see the future. We don't know exactly how these things are going to play out, but we do know it's going to be bad. And when, and as a pastor, when I see people making wrong choices, when I see them disobeying God, I see a very negative future coming for them unless they repent. And, uh, and so preaching and prophesying in many ways, are kind of the same thing. And so the prop, many of these prophecies we're looking at in the Bible, including the Olivet Discourse, it, was, it wasn't just predicting the future. It was preaching. It's telling these people things that were going uh, to come if they obey and what would happen if they disobey. And that is why so many people get confused. They only see it as predicting the future instead of calling people to repentance or promising something good if they obey. And people also get uh, confused because they ignore scriptures too about God replacing Israel with another nation. Because over and over again, it's prophesied that Israel is not going to listen. 
in Ezekiel, God told Ezekiel, prophesy all these things to Israel. Oh, but by the way, they're not going to listen to you. In fact, in Mark 9, we just read this prophecy from Matthew 17, but in Mark 9, 12, it says, And he answered and told them, Elias verily first cometh and restoreth all things, and how it is written of the Son of Man that he must suffer many things and be said it not. But I say unto you that Elias is indeed come, and they have done unto him whatsoever they listed, as it is written of him. It was prophesied over and over again in the Old Testament that Israel would disobey, that they would reject. But it doesn't mean God never prophesied of good that would come if they would obey. And those are there. And everyone reads the prophecies towards Israel about the good as if they obeyed and ignore the parts what would happen if they disobey because all the things that tell us what would happen if they disobey happened they already happened because they disobeyed but we're just going to ignore that we're going to pretend 78 AD never we're going to pretend the whole new testament never even happened and just act like good is still coming for israel that is ridiculous that is not how you interpret the scriptures that is that is an embarrassing interpretation and we see in matthew 21 40 says when the lord of the Therefore, the vineyard cometh. What will he do unto those husbandmen? And they said unto him, He will miserably destroy those wicked men and will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits in their season. So understand, we are in a time right now where the vineyard is in the hands of other husbandmen other than Israel. And understand that um, this these husbandmen, that we're all a part of, they've gotten the job done. The gospel did get to the whole world. And there are there are people from all over the world, from every nation, who are saved, who are looking for Jesus Christ, who have received the atonement for sins. They have claimed the blood of Christ in their lives. They have believed on him. They are trusting in him. He is their high priest. He makes intercession for them. And one of these days, and he has cleansed us, and one of these days, he's going to return and we're going to see him, and he's going to change us in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, and we will be acceptable on that day. And all the things that were not accomplished at his first coming, because those things could not be accomplished through the things of the law and through the things of the temple, they have been, they will be accomplished through the work of Jesus Christ. And so, by all means, preachers, go ahead and make application from Matthew 24 about the future. But never ignore the primary interpretation. It was a prophecy for that generation, and it and it had two potential outcomes. One was positive and one was negative. But what did they do? They weren't ready. So guess what? They got the negative. And so we are uh, looking for that day. We don't know the day or the hour either of when Jesus Christ is going to come and judge the entire earth. We don't know the day or the hour of that. So, you know, but in the meantime, we need to be ready. We need to be watching. We need to be working. We need to be serving. And one of these days he's going to come and all those promises that we see back then will be fulfilled through us, through God's people. And so anyway, uh, that is not inconsistent with how Bible prophecy has always worked. So hopefully uh, that was a help to you. I'll encourage you, if you have any questions, comments, leave them. If you want to email them to me privately at thespiritofprophecy1611 at gmail.com, I would appreciate that, and we will address them sometime tomorrow. I will announce 
the exact time of the live stream uh, through a community post and uh, we will try to address things uh, live and I hope that will be enjoyable and beneficial to all of you. So thank you all for watching this. I And uh, if y'all still think I'm a heretic and a reprobate, I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, I'll have fun uh, arguing with your reasons for that tomorrow. So thank you all for watching this. We'll see you all next time.